afternoon, I preach to you the Word of God as we summarize and confess it in Lord's Day 32 of the Heidelberg Catechism. The third part, the first part looked at our sin and misery, the second our deliverance in Jesus Christ, and now our thankfulness. Page 548 in the Book of Praise, here the Church confesses, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit to be his image, so that with our whole life we may show ourselves thankful to God for his benefits, and he may be praised by us. Further, that we ourselves may be assured of our faith by its fruits, and that by our godly walk of life, we may win our neighbors for Christ. Can those be saved who do not turn to God from their ungrateful and impenitent walk of life? By no means, Scripture says that no unchaste person, idolater, adulterer, thief, greedy person, drunkard, slanderer, robber, or the like, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Lord's Day 32, looks like it begins with a very good question. Since we have been delivered from misery by grace through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? But when we look at that question more closely, and we add in the actual fruit of the Spirit to that same question, we could see that perhaps it is not such a good question. It's like asking, why must we be enjoyable people to spend time with? What's the purpose of kindness and self-control, joy and love, if we've already been delivered from misery because of our faith in Jesus Christ? Why do we have to be patient and peaceful and good and faithful and gentle if God in his grace doesn't even take these merits into account when he decides whether or not to punish us? You see, when we put the question that way, we realize that although it may be true that our good works, that it is true that our good works are not able to help us escape punishment, and that because of Christ's merits, God does not even look at our merits when he delivers us from our misery. That's true. But it is not true that the only goal of our existence is to be delivered from misery. We have been created for much more than just escaping God's wrath. God's work is not just saving us from destruction, but his work includes restoring us to the fullness of life through the renewing work of the Spirit. The Bible is full of examples like the one we read in Matthew 12 that compare believers to plants and the things that believers do to fruit. We sang several psalms that refer to believers as tree. We'll sing some more. We saw it in Matthew 12. We'll 
saw it in the Belgic Confession. We see it in the Catechism. And this analogy is very helpful to answer the question about whether or not it is important to pursue holiness in our Christian lives. And so this afternoon, it being fall and the trees being laden, I want to use an apple tree as an example. And some of you have probably spent some time in or near an apple tree recently. So it's not hard to imagine that tree there before you. And when a redeemed and saved Christian asks why he or she must do good works, it can be compared to that apple tree that you are imagining asking why it must produce apples. Today we will see how an apple tree helps us to explain what we confess in Lord's Day 32. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Good Works are the Spirit-Given Fruit of Faith in Jesus Christ. And this fruit is evidence of God's purpose in creation, God's grace in your life, and God's care for your neighbor. So here we are, standing in front of this imagined apple tree that represents us, and we're thinking about our confession in Lord's Day 32. And we notice that the landowner has not cut down the apple tree, at least not yet, that it seems well watered, and so we feel justified in looking for and expecting apples from this apple tree. If an apple tree stops producing apples, we immediately know that something is wrong with the tree. As with the apple tree, so it is with the Christian life. We too are God's workmanship, and we also are created with a purpose in this world. This is clearly described in Ephesians 2 verse 10. As you came into church today, you saw it displayed on the wall here. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now as you draw near to this imagined apple tree that represents us, imagine that you see an apple on the apple tree. Why is that apple there? Well, it means that everything is working well in the tree. The sap is running correctly. The photosynthesis is A-OK, -okay, and the bark is protecting the tree like a champ. The apple is there because the tree is doing what it was made to do. If you were to apply the question of the catechism to the apple tree and ask, why must that apple tree produce apples? The simple answer is that it must because that was how God designed it. It must, because in his providential care, God ensured that that tree had all the right conditions for producing apples. When you see an apple on the apple tree, then you are seeing evidence of God's purpose for creating that apple tree. And with this comparison in mind, now you will start to look around and you will see people's good works like apples on a tree. And so you see a, a person, a parent, desiring to be very patient with their child. Or you see a person deciding in his or her mind not to slander, resisting that temptation. 
It's like an apple on the tree, right? You ask, why is that good work there in that life? And we can start our answer by saying the same thing we said about the apple tree. That person is doing a good work because that is what God created them to do. It's how he made them in the very beginning. When we see good works being done today, they are evidence of God's purpose in creation. And they also help us then to understand what the eternal kingdom of God will be like. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Men, women, and children going to work with hearts full of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That perfect relationship of a husband and a wife who love each other without any selfishness. Children loving each other in the family as brothers and sisters, loving their parents and their parents loving them. Always looking for ways to serve the interest of others. We see that worship that is truly humble, worship that is reverent, offered to a holy God without being hindered in any way by the sins and guilt. Now imagine this world as God created it to be, where everything is working as it should be. Imagine if you walked into that, that perfect world where everybody is living to the glory of God and living in harmony with one another, and then ask the question of our catechism. Why are you guys doing all this? Why must you live in God's purpose and do all these good things? Why must you live in God's wise commandments to love him and, and love one another using your unique gifts in this way? Well, the answer would be obvious, wouldn't it? I must because I want to. I want to because it's the only good, the very thing we have been made to do. It's like eating apple pie. You're, you're eating the apple pie and somebody says, why must you do that? You say, because I want to. Because that's what, it's a lovely thing. It's a good thing. Well, good works are just that. Good works are the down-to-earth use of our bodies, our minds, and our hearts to work together with everyone else around us in thankfulness for the mandate, for the mission that God gave us. And so when I am doing what I have been, been created to do, well, I'm praising God whose beautiful purpose is being revealed in my life. When you see good works being done, you are seeing that purpose of God in creation. And it's the most wonderful, desirable thing. Apple trees were made to produce apples. Human beings were created to do good works. And we show ourselves thankful by doing what we were made to do. So why the question? Well, since our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in paradise and corrupted the hearts of all their descendants, we find that no one was interested in doing what they were made to do, in obeying God with their works. It's no longer something that naturally flows from a sinful nature. And that's why the, the question about doing good works arises. The very thing we were made to do is often now seen as an extra burden 
rather than a delight. It can be compared, I guess, to an apple tree whose roots are no longer in the water. The sap is poisoned, the trunk is rotten, so that producing fruit is no longer an easy, natural thing to do. Then we see it, right? Any good works that are done after the fall into sin is a miraculous, or they're a miraculous work of God's grace. God's grace who connects us to Jesus Christ, who fills us with his renewing spirit, who replaces an old heart with a new heart. We see that in our second point. God's grace in your life. But when we see an apple on the apple tree, it not only teaches us about God's purpose in creating the tree, but it also teaches us about what kind of tree it is. The Lord Jesus made a distinction after the fall. It started to be that there were good trees and there were bad trees. So if you see an apple on a tree, it's obvious this is not a bad tree, but it's a tree that has been preserved and has been cared for. Well, the same can be said when you see that you yourself desire to do good works in your own life. If you, as a person belonging to a fallen, rebellious human race, are the one wanting to do these good works, well, that means amazing things have happened in your life. You can be compared to a tree that has been transplanted to the streams of water. You can be compared to a tree that has been filled with with good and healthy sap to replace the poisonous sap. Good works make it clear that everything is starting to work like it is supposed to once again. When When your desires are in line with God's commands and you see that there is more to your existence than just being saved from misery so that you seek to do good works, you seek to live in holiness, this is evidence of God's grace in your life. It's a great comfort for believers. We confess it's an assurance. A good work is a great sign that you are a Christian. Confirms that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, that he is working in your life. If you look to Romans 8, verse 29, Romans 8, verse 29 takes it all the way back to God's election and how he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his Son. You see good works in your life, and it's it's a reminder of how God in his grace predestined you to look like his Son in the way you lived your life. Good works show that God himself has conformed you to the image of his Son, to reflect righteousness and holiness. Well, this understanding then helps us to be content with the sovereign plan of God. When we see good works in our own lives, we realize that God is working in our lives, that God has plans for our lives in this world. You see, the Spirit's renewing work doesn't give you new bodies, new arms and new legs. Doesn't give you new organs. Doesn't give you new eyesight or new brains. Your body is the same. You are the same tree. But rather he uncovers your true identity 
as God's child, which Christ has renewed. Your fruit reveals your identity. Your good works reveal who you are in Christ. Even though we may produce different good fruit based on the kind of person we are, the body that God has given to us, our situation in this life, good apples, good oranges, you can know that the good works you do have an important place in the sovereign plan of the Lord. We don't all have to bear the same kind of fruit, but if we have the Holy Spirit, we will bear fruit. That glorifies God because we will understand now seeing this fruit that we have a higher calling in this world. We are here for more than just our own pleasures and our comforts, but God himself is working in, in your life. And God is leading you to be who you are in Christ. So we want to live as faithful subjects of God's eternal kingdom. So there's that process that Paul often speaks about of the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. We'll see that more next week. But we will recognize all those things that don't fit with who we are anymore. Good works show that we have a spot, a place in God's plan that he wants to use us for his glory. And then all of a sudden, if you look at question and answer 87, that list doesn't fit who we are. We are no longer idolaters, adulterers, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, slanderers, robbers, or any other person who will not inherit the kingdom of God. By God's grace, we are redeemed children of God. And his spirit lives within us to make us share in Christ's righteousness, his holiness, love, and service. And the fruit reveals that that's who we are. So how do people with the spirit seeing this fruit in their lives, how do they respond to the question, why must you do good works? Well, we will point to the covenant that God established with us out of mere grace. We'll point to baptism and the promises that we have received. We'll point to the preaching of the gospel that, that God uses to give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. We'll point to the faith that the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts and his renewing power in our lives. And then we'll conclude the only reason I do good works is because God has been gracious to me. And we could put our own name in there because we're looking at our own good works, the fruit of our faith. And then my works serve to assure me that my faith is genuine. God's grace is complete. His spirit dwells within us. Paul says that, right, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a contract it's a covenant. We're not doing good works to get anything back for ourselves in some sort of contract with God or with a church or anyone else, but we're doing good works because we have already received everything from God 
when he brought us into his covenant. Not because I have to, but because I want to. That is a true sign that we are being restored to our original purpose, renewed to be instruments in God's hand to, to give hope to a world enslaved by sin. When good works are done in the world, they are also evidence of God's care for your neighbor. The apple tree was created to produce apples. And simply by doing what it was made to do, it shows thankfulness to God, gives him the glory. We saw that in the first point. When an apple tree produces an apple, it's confirmation that God has looked upon that tree in favor. It's an assurance of the health of the tree. We saw that in the second point. But now the question is, why did God make an apple tree produce apples? Why did he, God provide aesthetically pleasing, healthy, enjoyable, delicious nourishment through this tree? Well, it's because God wanted the tree to be useful to others. The tree is created to serve the well-being, the joy, and the nourishment of the creatures that God placed around it. Maybe it's even you standing by that tree. Well, the Bible makes it clear that it, as with the tree, so also with Christians. You have been created to be useful to others in society, in your work, in your relationships, in your worship. Created to be that and then renewed to that task again in Jesus Christ. And that's why people who persist in doing the wicked things that are listed in question and answer 87 that harm and destroy their neighbors, they have no place in the kingdom of God. And the preaching warns them. We saw that last week. And, and the preaching points all unbelievers and hypocrites to the only door into the kingdom of heaven, which is Jesus Christ, urging them all to humble themselves before the Lord. But the preaching does not stand alone. The preaching is always surrounded by the good works of believers. The word and the deed go together. Christians will always be useful in society because like healthy apples, good works are useful. You may remember, maybe it's coming to your mind too, Martin Luther, he was a reformer in the 16th century. He has this famous quote where he says, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. And we confess that our good works serve God's purpose in our neighbor's life. And so referring to Matthew 5, Romans 14, 1 Peter 2, you can see the text in the footnote of the catechism. We confess that we want to win our neighbors for Christ by our godly walk of life. If people are standing in the darkness and your life brings some of the light of the truth into that darkness, God can use that to bring them to Christ. When people see your good deeds and associate them with your Christian faith, the Lord can use that to bring them to praise God. That means that if you care about your neighbors, 
You will be careful to shine like stars in the universe, says Paul in Philippians, to draw attention to Jesus Christ by your love. John 15, they'll know that you're my disciples by your love, and you will serve them to be, and, to, and you'll try to be as enjoyable and nutritional as an apple in their lives. However, it's good to have this perspective as well. Winning, although winning your neighbor for Christ may be the highest and the most glorious result, such a conversion is something that only God can do. And it's not the reason for being kind. It's not the reason for entering into a relationship with your neighbor. We don't show love to unbelievers and hypocrites and do good works in the world only to convert people as if we could do God's work for him. But we show love to our neighbors because God has changed our hearts. It's what he's made us to be. We invite people over because we know that they too were created in God's image, because we want to meet them, and because we care about their well-being. Like the apple tree that is in the garden that was made to produce apples, even though the apple tree does not know who will pick the apples or how they will be used, so we are created and renewed to do good works even before we know who will be served by them and what they will do with them. And you see that in our catechism, our confession. We, we start it all off by talking about our godly walk of life. That refers to living like a Christian, being engaged in society, being faithful in our regular tasks. That godly walk of life, that's a reference to your ordinary living, the ordinary lives of Christians, like an apple tree making good apples or an orange tree producing good oranges. A godly walk of life means doing your task and calling to the glory of God. It speaks about being winsome so that whether the people around you believe or not, your neighbors will know what Christ can do to a person. You'll notice in the texts that are given in the catechism, if you read through them and do the, the reference, text Matthew, we refer to Matthew 5, Romans 14, 1 Peter 2. You'll notice that in those texts, the, the first projected result of doing good works, of shining in the world, is simply that others see, that others see what you are doing. So you live your life like a Christian. You carry out your task for the glory of God. You be that loving child that is identified with Christ. And people see, and they associate you with Christ. And they see the power of Christ in your life. And so we return to the question again, what must we be kind to our neighbors? 
Must we be winsome in our walk of life? Must we be instruments in God's hand and serve as a blessing for our neighbors? It's like asking, must the apple be tasty and delicious and desirable? And the answer is quite simple. God made you to live as the image of Christ Jesus here on the earth. You have a place in his plan. And he has a task for you. Thank the Lord. Praise him by doing what you were made to do. Live in harmony with your neighbor as he made you to do. And so we praise God. We praise him for so many good works that can be seen being performed by God's people all over the world. Works that give honor to God, that assure us of our faith, and that also are a blessing to our neighbors. Amen.